Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Today's podcast is sponsored by Spry Therapeutics, products that I've been using and loving for the last few years. The Spry Recovery Pillow is made with Flowform, a unique moldable technology that allows you to mold it into any shape without it returning to its original shape until you remold it. When you lean into it, it kind of feels like vegan butter. It fits seamlessly into your yoga practice, offering extra support by contouring to your specific curves, promoting proper body alignment. The Recovery Pillow is perfect for providing comfort and support in Shavasana, meditation, and I also like to use it for stretches like pigeon. By redistributing pressure and reducing stress on your joints, this pillow is also amazing for post-yoga recovery, helping you maintain proper body alignment and helping with back and neck pain. The removable cover can be easily washed and the pillow itself can be wiped down with any household cleaner, just like you would do with your yoga mat, which is super safe for sanitizing for viruses like COVID. Recover well with Spry and use code LITFRIEND to receive a 20% discount. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. I'm here with my fearless and awesome co-host, Kristen Williams, physical therapist and amazing Lit Senior Teacher. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Laura. Hey, everybody. We'll launch right off with uh, Nairi had a question for us. She said, hey, Laura, Kristen, how to help someone with a condition that is long-term, such as MS, when their diagnosis takes over so much of their life and can't be changed... They like moving and want to stay healthy, but this feels like a dark cloud that follows them around. What advice do you give to these people? Great question. Um, I'll, I'll launch right off and then I know you'll have stuff to say as well. I mean, first of all, I think both Krista and I will definitely say a diagnosis is just that. And especially this type of diagnosis that is life-changing for sure. Life-altering, maybe it's the better word. And there is this kind of dark hole you can go down because for any kind of neurological long-term diagnosis like this, where you know it could get really bad, it, it can obviously affect your emotional state a lot. But 
The good news is it is a diagnosis. It gives you information. It tells you that your body has an autoimmune disease. That's what, it, what MS is. And it can be managed. And I've, I've worked with many MS patients who continue having a very fulfilling life and fulfilling movement experience. They learn how to manage it. Everyone is a little different in this regard. Some people could go into a, a state of remission for decades. And that's often what'll happen is you might get a first symptom. This MS is more found in women than in men. And the first symptoms often happen in their 20s. Some kind of visual thing and happens, and then it might go into remission many, many years later. Until many years exactly. later, they start to have some physical symptoms. But um, always move. You will have to have some precautions with that because flare-ups can happen from overdoing, from overexerting. Heat is a big factor. So with people with MS, for one reason or another, when their internal temperature gets overheated, it can trigger some of the symptoms. So you want to kind of monitor that. You can still move. You just might not want to move. Like heated yoga is not going to be a good thing for somebody with MS. Um, going into a very hot sauna or hot pool is not going to be something um, that would be great for MS. Maybe they won't have anything, but you just want to avoid some of the things that are consistent triggers for people with MS. Um, but continuing to keep the joint mobility, to continue to walk, to do to practice yoga, just not in a heated set, um, in a heated room. Those are all amazing things, and I've seen great outcomes because, again, the body really has a great healing capacity even when you have something like an autoimmune disease like this. But I'd love to hear what Kristen has to say. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I'm so glad you brought up the heat. You know, that's one of the, the big triggers for them. So as a physical therapist or a yoga teacher working with someone with MS, you know, the more you educate yourself, the better you'll be able to help them too. Uh, uh, so it's a great opportunity for you to learn on your own, but also from them about these these types of conditions. And then, you know, how can you serve them? And talking to their physical therapist, I'm sure they have a physical therapist. You know, how can I better serve this, uh, this, this girl, this client, this man, where they are? And, you know, how can you be a support? And like Lara says, movement, you know, keeping moving, working those proximal stabilizers, listening to the body. So by the most people, like Laura said, this gets diagnosed traditionally pretty pretty early, and it may not. They might have really mild symptoms, but they start to get to know their body pretty well, and they know signs and symptoms of when things are coming up. So, really good communication. So, let's say if you're teaching over Zoom, you want to have both of the microphones on so you can hear how they're responding, and and also let them tell you how they're feeling, and then just trying to maintain mobility, maintain range of motion, like you said, Laura, you know, keep them as strong as they can, allow them to start to create different movement patterns as their physical symptoms start to evolve over time. If they come, if they go into a, a more of a, an advanced or advancing stage, but they do really well. They do. And the more you can empower them with education, with knowledge that yes, this is a diagnosis. Yes, it is life altering, like you said. But ultimately, they do have some control over 
how things progress in by way of, you know, slowing things down, becoming more adaptable to it, that types of um, that type of thing. Um, the body is amazing in its ability to adapt. So empower them, empower yourself, educate yourself, and then work with their physical therapist and or doctor, neurologist, uh, rheumatologist to, you know, really create a plan, I would recommend. I love that. And I'll add on to that, that the body is amazing, but the spirit is even more so. And this can go with any diagnosis. This could be if you have had a long time eating disorder, you have a mental, um, you're mentally, you have some kind of mental uh, diagnosis, physical diagnosis. We are not those things. We are much greater than those things and we live with them, right? So if somebody has an eating disorder, they live with that, but they are not that. You are not MS. You are not bulimic. You are not anorexic. You have that in you that you're living with, but you are much greater than that. And I think it really helps the spirit to acknowledge the difference that we are so much stronger than whatever is haunting us. You know, it's, and, and to not, as, as you asked, Nairi, to not go down the dark hole because that's, that is a very uh, easy path to go down because whether it's, again, an eating disorder or a mental imbalance and you have a flare-up of whatever kind, an MS, cancer, all these things, they are in us, but they are, they are not us. And those are, it's very important. That's the empowerment to distinguish between them and that you will rise again, right? You will rise again and it might, it might be different than it was before. That doesn't mean you don't want to stop moving or stop doing, or stop doing the things that you love and enjoy. Um, uh, too often, whatever the diagnosis is, people really box themselves in and become, become it, <laughs> become limited by it and defined by it. And really the biggest goal of any kind of diagnosis, disease, disorder, whatever you want to call it, dysfunction, is recognize that it is separate from you and you are stronger than it. So, yeah, there we yeah, go. That, like you said, that goes across to across. chronic pain. I mean, I just see it. You are bigger. You are are bigger than that. You are. And and just, uh, it's okay to wallow sometimes. Um, But if we can come back to the fact that we are just amazing, amazing specimens, that we are trillions of atoms put together, we all are the same in that way, but we also are different in, in who we are. And so strengthen and fortify your spirit. And, that, and as a therapist or as a um, yoga teacher, that is really a, also imperative for us to do is help, like you said, empower, 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 because that, that helps you overcome those dark moments. Okay, Made with Ohm, ask boat pose, thoughts, LOL, as I know there's a reason it's not in your flows, but remind me. Well, boat pose is a common yoga pose strengthener, especially in the Ashtanga series. I think you do a bunch of them. And I think Kristen and I would both agree, it's it's not a bad pose by any means. It's just that to me, there's many more ways to effectively strengthen the proximal stabilizers of the core, meaning all the muscles that surround your spine, pelvis, and scapula. The boat pose tends to kind of target the bigger muscles like your erector spinae 
and your hip flexors, more superficial hip flexors that want to kind of take charge. And it's harder to integrate those muscles with your proximal muscles when they are just, they want to fire first and, and stronger. So I personally, I prefer to do things that those proximal muscles don't really have a choice but to fire. So I'm targeting them, knowing that their strength, that proximal stability is therefore going to help all the bigger mover muscles and that they can work as a team. Whereas the boat pose, I do put it in there on occasion. I usually offer bent knees so that those hip flexors don't get overly charged. But um, just every person, everybody, they're going to be triggering those bigger muscles more than they are in the stabilizers. And that's why it feels like a big burn. You're just like overly loading those hip flexors. And yeah, they need strengthening, but they need strengthening when the stabilizers are doing their job. What are your thoughts on it? No, I agree completely. And and I do. I have a a couple flows that, that, that have boat in it. My biggest thing with boat being someone who doesn't have superb hamstring length is it is so hard. I'm more like the average Joe. It is so hard to do a boat pose the way you see it on Instagram or with your, you know, typical flexible yogi with the straight legs and the strong, long spine. You will look around the room and I would argue 60 to 70% of people are rounded in their back and it is not great position for the back. You're putting these long lever arms of like, to your point, the trunk, then the legs, especially if they're straightened. And you're just, you got to, it's cost benefit. You know, what, what is, what is the cost at what cost is this benefit? Is the benefit great enough to outweigh the cost? Um, I do it in my oblique obsession class because I think it's fun. I do it with bent knees. You do like a version of it with the feet down. I think you call it so is that your beach ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arms yeah. Down. When yeah. you're getting the same benefit, but you're taking the cost away by you stabilize with the hands, I strongly bend the knees uh, into the chest and do some like a like a Russian twist with it. And it's what it's a flow I do once a year, maybe. But to put it in all the time, to your point, they're overusing those hip flexors, even the rectus abdominis. You're not really getting into um, the small muscles that need more attention. And quite frankly, the majority of the population do not have the hamstring length or the core strength, to be fair, to do it well and safe. Or if you're like me and you have a big ass tailbone, it's just not comfortable. You know, <laughs> I got to like roll to the side to get around my monkey tail. So it's just a weird, it's a yeah. weird pose. But I, but I do have it in there uh, yeah. with the perfect. As long as you have a plan and a reason, then put it in there. But to do it just on the regular, the cost outweighs the benefit. The benefit does not outweigh the cost, in my opinion. I agree. Like I said, so it's not a pose that is like ixnay, we're never going to do. But it is not done regularly because we want to primarily uh, fire those proximal muscles and then you can kind of check in and do a boat pose and see like how does it feel different when you're primarily when you've mostly been doing the other because boat then will feel very different with the knees bent or not you'll be able to stable you can really harness going deep so if you're doing it and imagining go right around the spine itself stabilize there and see how different that feels and that's so again yeah we don't put it in there a lot and that's the reason we want to do things that we're not targeting in daily life 
majority of the people, 99.9% of the people are not targeting their proximal muscles in daily life. And they're so important for global movement. They're so important for efficiency, for joint stacking, for, for everything. And for moving in, in movement variability, to be able to move in so many different ways. And, you know, boat pose on this note, I, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't recommend it for women who have had babies and, and don't have that proximal stability because they're just, that's when people get all fearful about the diastasis, I, I don't worry about that. But this is a pose where you're really long in the torso, a lot of demand with the long lever. And um, that's just not a, so if you're doing boat regularly and you've had babies, at, but you're not proximally strong, that is not going to be great for that diastasis. Okay, yoga with Jose asks, what are some good ankle strengthening exercises? My dad keeps spraining his ankle. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, it sounds like my husband. My husband was the worst. I mean, he could step on a pebble and like fall to the ground in agony. Uh, just years of playing basketball and baseball. You know, basketball, they come down on the ankle wrong. You, stra- you sprain your ankle once. You stretch those ligaments out. And they don't really go back to their original, especially if, if it's a bad ankle sprain. If, if you don't go back to their original length, they are stretched out. Uh, think of like a stretchy rubber band. It just gets less tensile. And so you really need the muscles to do it. Now, yoga, he's only done lit. So he's, you know, lit yoga has just changed his life with that. So single leg balance work. I mean, everything you do single leg balance because I would, before I got into yoga, I would keep, oh, I sprained my ankle, blah, blah, blah. And I would come home, I would give him the, the band exercises, do your band exercises. And he would even do them like under his desk at work. Never got any better. It is not until he started doing yoga regularly because of all of the transition work, uh, the, sta- the stabilizing on one leg. Um, you can add single leg heel lift type stuff to your tree pose with some you know, stability. So for your dad, yeah, you could give him a band and have him work all four ranges of motion. But your best bet is to get him single leg weight bearing where he, and then on unstable surfaces or moving through transitions where he has to strengthen more functionally. And using a band, while it's great for you know isolated strength, it's not super functional. So the more you can get somebody barefoot standing up, it's going to translate, I promise you, off the mat or out of the rehab facility into the real world where you just get that brain. I mean, think about the foot's the furthest away from the brain too. So you really got to reconnect to those lower, not only lower leg and foot and ankle, but also your hip, your core. When you can get some feedback quicker or more reliable, you're going to be better off. So that's that's my thought. Just yoga. Yeah, yoga. <laughs> I agree. Because what you're working there that, um, so the ligaments get stretched out, so they're not as responsive, but within the ligaments, you also have proprioceptors and these proprioceptors are throughout joint capsules and all that, but they are, um, giving the brain signals of where your ankle is. So you can get up in the middle of the night, walk to the bathroom, and you don't have to kind of know the surface that you're stepping on because you're the, the proprioceptors, like little telephone signal to your brain, are telling at you know microseconds how to adjust. It's to the brain, the brain comes back and it's saying, hey, adjust like this. You're walking over you know, a blanket that's on the ground or something. 
similar to walking like uh, to Kristen's point on gravel. You don't have to look down as you're walking because your ankle's making those micro adjustments until that perception is delayed, which it is once it's been the ligament has been injured. And so the other big thing is that weight bearing that she's mentioning, meaning functional, is is signaling those proprioceptors. It's getting them firing faster again because there's a delayed firing in them after an injury. I always think back to this uh, one kid, this uh, collegiate athlete. He was a, he's a runner and he was a client of mine and he was seeing another PT who was also doing like some strengthening exercises. He was so eager to get back to running. You know, it was in the season and we kept saying, no, it's swollen, this, that. And finally it wasn't swollen anymore. And he was like, I'm going to run a race. And I said to him, I said, I really would not run that race yet because your ankle, even though the swelling and inflammation is gone, it is not ready. You have not done all that, you know, getting on, we would get on these boards in the PT clinic and he had, and he was not, his ankle was super unstable on those boards. So he ignored my advice, which of course, you know, he had the right to do and he ran and of course he re-injured it. So this is the problem with an ankle injury is that it can start, all the symptoms can start to go away. And this is why your dad might be continually re-injuring it. And he hasn't done that work to get it stable, to get the proprioceptors firing again. And in that state, in, that's very vulnerable, where he's, he's feeling back to kind of like, oh, there's no pain, there's no swelling, but he can't go, he's got to really challenge it. The one-legged balance stuff, like Kristen was saying, barefoot working on that ankle strengthening. Can he put, can he, can he stand on one leg and then rise up on the ball of the foot and have that ankle stay stable and not be wobbling all around? That's, that's what you need in running. That's why he got re-injured that because that, there's, there's a place when you're running even more than when you're walking where you've got one foot on the ground and the other foot's off the ground and you're pushing off. And so be careful in that intermediate stage as well when the symptoms are not there, but it is still not strong enough. And those proprioceptors are not firing quickly enough to give that responsiveness that you need. Well, these were awesome questions. We will come back as always again and again. Please write Kristen or me on Instagram with any of your questions. I'm at laura.hyman and Kristen is at kbwilliams99. As always, this was so fun, KB. So fun. Thanks, Laura. Thank you, honey. Love you. And we, as always, are pulling for you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.